But yeah. Um, so anyway. <laughs> page one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the cover page of Superman, the last family of Krypton, number one of three. <laughs> uh, L on Earth. That's, that's clever. So... so The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Use that again. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely have. With um, I I forget if it was Monel or... uh... I don't know. We can get into that another time, but that's that's regular continuity stuff. But yeah, there's a literal character named that's Hell. L H apostrophe E L. Hell on Earth. I remember it specifically. It was wildly weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, I guess I'll just out note at this point. Forty one minutes in, just say like, okay, here we are. Comics paradox. Me, Leo, Justin, everyone who's listening. We're doing the Elseworlds three-parter Superman, The Last Family of Krypton. This was the last published Elseworlds under the label, under the imprint by DC Comics in 2009. Uh, It was written by Carrie Bates and illustrated by Renato Arlem. And uh, it, it just basically, the essential conceit is instead of Jor-El and Lara sending uh, Kal-El on his own, to earth uh they are actually able to go with him uh and and therefore it completely changes uh not just the history of the character of superman as we know him but uh the entire state of the planet earth uh all together so there there we go and um for our our listeners you may say, oh, well, you've done this one before. But it's like, no, this is the last family of Krypton, not the last son of Krypton or the last son of Earth. So I can see how you think that. This one's completely different. And we'll talk about some of the, the not-so-subtle differences here. You can see that the story really does uh, take a big deviation from where the other two uh, existed. Yes, indeed. I will say that I, I do think... Um... It may owe, whether it was aware of its existence or not for the most part, but it does owe a little bit to uh, the John Byrne, Mike Mignola, Superman number 18 from 1987, uh, Return to Krypton, in which Superman enlists the aid of Hawkman and Hawkwoman to, quote, double check to see if Krypton actually exploded, uh, in which there's a whole sequence there in which Superman has a vision, for lack of a better term, and what would have happened had... Kryptonians all made a mass exodus from Krypton and landed on Earth. Uh, this is nowhere near as bleak as that story. Oh yeah, thank God at all. Uh, but it 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 does uh, share just like you know some 
some roots uh, in in that that essential conceit. Like, okay, what if it wasn't just Cal L? Um, and uh, you know, we we start off, and it's it's very much uh, a combination of what we know from modern age Superman. You know, post crisis John Byrne, nineteen eighty six Man of Steel on, uh, and what we know of particularly from the Golden and Silver Ages. Uh, they they do a combination. There's no bio suits that we're used to, like from John Burns era. Um, there's there's a little bit more of a '60s retro feel to their their Kryptonian clothing, particularly with Lara, because uh, as you had mentioned uh, previously in, in conversation between us, Justin, uh, this uh, the the approach to Lara is very. Um, I guess the best way to put it is like, if you've ever seen Austin Powers, international man of mystery, <laughs> this is very much the kind of clothing that Dr. Evil put Vanessa in once he had Austin and Vanessa captured. Um, but we see, we see, uh, the, the initial, uh, pages. It looks as though Jorel and Lara are putting Kal-El in a lone rocket to be, rocketed off of the doomed planet Krypton. Uh, and then <laughs> the, the uh, tiny little rocket uh, goes, uh, it explodes. <laughs> it, it's hit by all kinds of debris and, and uh, you know, baby Kal-El go bye-bye. And we just see that Cal, I mean, Jor-El is screaming, no. And it's uh, thankfully very much a, a, a Dallas type deal. Like, oh, it's just a dream. Thank goodness. <laughs> And uh, we see that that Lara is trying to comfort Jor-El uh, and saying, no, don't worry. Everything's fine. We made it. This is our home now. And then they look out their giant window after picking up their baby Kal-El. And we see the Daily Planet and a, a, a blimp over the city of Metropolis advertising the Metropolis Meteors, which, <laughs> clever. And, uh, yeah, so clearly they're they're on Earth. They're in Metropolis. So, you know, what? what the deuce what what gives and uh yeah we we see that just a few months earlier they landed right in the heart of metropolis uh safely in the heart of metropolis there wasn't like a big crater mass lives lost or anything like that but of course the u.s government approaches and they're losing their collective mind <laughs> yeah and uh News media doesn't know what's going on. Uh, they're trying to cover it, and all of a sudden their cameras and audio stop working completely. The weaponry on the tanks and, and jeeps that the government has there, the military has there, they're, they're not working. And uh, that's when the ship itself opens up, and uh, Cal, I mean, Jor-El uh, comes down with Lara and their, their baby Kal-El saying, <laughs> very, very cliched, People of Earth, we come in peace. <laughs> and like, I love the reaction of like whoever the military. We don't see them; it's just their word balloon coming from off panel saying, "We come in peace." Is this for real? <laughs> like, I, I love must that. Watch they, our old movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this asshole watched the day the Earth stood still. We get it. <laughs> um, you know, and it's one of the guys like. Book. What's that? Yeah, it's a cookbook. <laughs> We've come for the one known as Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> it's a Forbidden Planet reference, but still, it's fun. 
and uh you know they're, they're saying like oh maybe maybe they're just saying what what they think we want to hear and you know Jorel and Lara are unfazed it's just like you know I'm Jorel this is Lara this is this is our son Kal-El uh we escaped our home world because it was destroyed in a cataclysm and uh Lara says the three of us are the last survivors of a planet known as Krypton and uh they're all just like oh okay wait 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 hold a second there's like a there's a whole bunch of EMP stuff coming from the coming from the spacecraft oh crap they they completely just they're the ones that shorted our weapons system we 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 got to we got to do something about this and then somebody's like well the overload's corrupting all the firing sequencers so uh, we're about to shoot them anyway <laughs> and uh then we see the 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 uh sort of like ground to air missiles that they appointed at the thing uh they go off and um you know we see the lament of the general which i would assume is is general sam lane at at, at this point they never outright say though um and you know like the president apparently ordered them to avoid a first strike so i mean they weren't trying to be belligerent they were just trying to be um careful you know being prepared uh, and that's when they see like, oh, cool. Look at how our weapons did absolutely nothing to their yeah. ship. That's not worrisome. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden the, the ship turns into, <laughs> I mean, it literally turns into like a death skull. <laughs> yeah. With giant guns on it. Like, okay. Um, and, you know, it, it turns out like it can convert to a, a warship. Um, but you see that Jorel starts speaking in uh, Kryptonese, and the first thing he he says in Kryptonese is "attention B," and then he says "attack override initiating command code L two," and uh, he shuts down the the war mode. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but seeing like the skull shape of the warship, like the war mode, and him saying "attention B," like right away. I I understood like oh yeah, yeah the yeah. artificial intelligence here is Brainiac, which is um a fun little holdover from Superman the animated series, because uh, it wasn't until that point that Brainiac uh had actually any sort of Kryptonian connection, uh or origin, he was always uh, an entity from the far reaches of space that was more interested in collecting uh examples of different xenologies across the galaxies uh and with superman the animated series they they had it directly related to uh superman's arrival and and the programming that jor-el used to help facilitate kal-el's uh trip across uh, across space to earth I still hear his voice as that voice of Brainiac. And I mean, there's been some really good Brainiacs, not the old super friends. Oh, I'm a Brainiac. Not that oh, guy. Yeah. But like, like when you're, hello, kal you know, like with that sort of reverberation yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. Kind of, kind of tinny. Yeah. Totally tinny. Cause I mean, Jeff, Jeffrey Coombs did it in uh, the Injustice video game. And that's just really excellent as well but this is just like all right if i get to choose my perfect one would be from the animated series yeah at 100 um you know i i could i could take a leave the kryptonian connection with brainiac but i i completely understand how it could it has a place especially within this story makes mm-hmm. makes perfect sense they use utilized that idea to 
its full capability within this. And, and, and I, I dig that. I really do. It's sort of, sort of in the same vein of how Mark Miller approached the character in Superman, red sun, uh, the else world, Superman, red sun, uh, not, not of Kryptonian origin, but still utilized, uh, in a, in a similar way. Um, and you know, that's, that's when we have, uh, you know, the, the military saying like, uh, okay, well, that ship just folded up and whatever, whatever the hell they said in that weird language, just shut it down. Like nobody's business. I wonder, uh, I wonder what else they can do. This is probably not great. <laughs> we should be careful here. And uh, that's when one of the choppers is just, you know, we're dropping like a stone. Somebody move. Everybody move. We're going to drop on you and either, either blow up or, or, or slice you in half. <laughs> Will we get sound effects in this episode? Oh, yeah. See, there. Okay. Yeah. I was doing the whole Ernest, or, Ernest Borgnine and uh, Airwolf. <laughs> Look out, kid! <laughs> it's a Huey. I thought a Huey's a chopper. A chopper is a Huey. Okay, got it. <laughs> thought he was a singer. Huey <laughs> Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss the news. We all do, but they need time to create. <laughs> um. So yeah, we we get a whole. You know what was that? And because as the copter is getting ready to, you know go down like Frazier in a boxing match. Um, we see that Lara flew up at super speed and she's, Oh, I'm sorry. Not flat. She didn't fly up at super speed. She's using her super breath. Uh, and that is to say the force of the capacity of her lungs, uh, enhanced by superpowers. Not that she just used Tic Tacs. Um, and she's, she's or uh, helping gum. <laughs> <laughs> or orbits gum. <laughs> that, that fresh, clean feeling, no matter what. Ding. And uh, they, uh, she, she kind of floats them down to safety, and uh, you get little toddler Kalel in Kryptonese floating next to her, going, "Yay, mommy!" <laughs> Which, <laughs> super cute. Um, he looks like and, he's dressed like Mork, <laughs> right? Nanu, <laughs> Nanu, Nanu. <laughs> and uh, we see Jorel was saving a couple of soldiers himself. And uh, they begin, they start explaining again, like, you know, as we were saying, Krypton is no more. Uh, Lara says, you know, before, before the end, we were able to surveil a number of other worlds, which brings us to the reason we're here. We'd like Earth to become our new home. That is, if you'll have us. And the military, the guy, the looks on all the guys' faces is just like, what? Why, why would you say no at that point, honestly? And uh, we just see a, uh, a slew of uh, newspaper headlines just like, oh, their planet blew up. And I mean, it's basically the same thing in a bunch of different languages in different countries across the world. Paris, Tokyo, um, Gotham, not that they're a different planet, but, you know, <laughs> the Gotham Gazette. And uh, then, of course, the Daily Planet. Um, Saved and by the eels. Yeah. Saved by the eels. Kalil, Joriel, Lara Zoriel. No, what? Lara, actually, Lara Lorvan. I'm sorry. That is, that was her name. Um, at least before she was married, betrothed, whatever to Joriel. Um, you're, you're thinking of uh, Lois from Smallville. It was Van. No, Lara Lorvan. 
that's I was that's... trying to make a dumb joke. Oh, okay. I still don't know. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> what was your name? Never mind. Never mind. Lana Lang. No, Lois. What Lois. Lois was Lois's actor actress. Erica oh, Durance. Erica Durance. Oh, why did I think it was Van something? You were thinking of the woman oh, who Vander- played Kara, yeah. Laura Vandervoort. Yeah. I, I get it. Yes, that was it. That was it. Yes, yes. Um, but no, I was not thinking of her. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of her now. Does that count? Sure thing. I mean, maybe it makes think sense. of her later too. <laughs> wow. Uh, especially the Aquaman uh, episode, right? Yeah, the Aquaman episode, exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, though. Uh, so, yeah, we, we basically just see that Jorel and Lara are going the world over and performing uh, good deeds and humanitarian acts, saving people's lives. They stopped the, the, uh, they stopped the follow from Eight Mile Island, which, you know, clearly is supposed to be like Three Mile Island. Yep. Um, and, the, you know, already... This is the... Eminem one though. The eight, what? <laughs> oh my god, dude! Look at the, look at them change their uh, their outfits too. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's she's uh, they start off uh, the the weird short pants on Jorel there, his little his little slippers. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice he's wearing culottes. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, then we start to see them kind of wearing more action suits as we're accustomed to with, with superheroes and superheroines. Um, and it, it seems as though they actually have a, a full functioning wardrobe. So it's not just like the same thing that they're wearing all the time, which goes to show like, you know, this is part of how they their daily attire and in their own culture. Uh it's it's just always embossed with the the family crest and uh lara tends to lean a little bit more towards the fashionable uh especially according even to earth customs and their their own presence starts to influence the culture of america specifically but the world over um kryptonian technology and ways of course are, are a mystery and uh become everything involving the two of them becomes in vogue. Uh, people are starting to become, um, you know, sort of, uh, I don't want to say obsessed, but attentive to what's going to go on with, with uh, Kal-El. And um, they, let's see, it was a choice. Yeah. They've decided that uh, they want to have Kal-El live a relatively normal life away from all this, hullabaloo for the time being and uh oh i'm sorry it's it's not that part i i i skipped ahead this is a very long story so there's certain yeah points. there's no. there's details that are that are important later yeah it's one yeah but uh they they actually spin a globe and have kalil uses heat vision and uh the spot he he zaps that they decide to make their permanent home base is metropolis uh, in a very, very non-specific map that doesn't quite show what state it is, which uh, yeah, right, yeah, very interesting. I, I will say this: it is on the water, uh, which I think is very important because Metropolis is supposed to be on the water, meaning it's on a coast. 
It should never, ever, ever be in the middle of fucking Kansas. I can't stress that enough. And I thought it's, Gotham was supposed to be across the across don't the you, bay. Don't you it, yeah, well, that's that's from um, Batman uh, versus Robin or uh, Batman yeah, yeah. versus uh, Superman. Superman. Yeah, Batman versus Batman with superpowers. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I I don't like that at all. I don't like the idea of Metropolis and Gotham being quote sister cities. Um, no, the way the way I always viewed it uh, as a kid was Metropolis was supposed to be the stand-in for New York, and I always thought of. My, me personally, I always thought that Gotham was like Chicago, um, New Haven, Leo, which which has been actually oh, called yeah. Gotham in the past. So, um, yeah. but yeah, New Haven's not big enough. New Haven, Connecticut, is what we're talking about. But it is like on the outskirts. It is very dark. Uh, it is very when uh, yeah, it, it does not have crime, that art crime driven. Yeah, you could say that. You know, yeah. it's that's where Yale is. So you know, it's it's cool. got some. Hey kids, it's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books, and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Token with... My God, man! I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dorkening Podcast Network. There are over thirty shows, chock full of nerdy goodness to sink your ears into, and they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Some roots. According to some, according to some some different areas with like that deal with like the DC Atlas, um, Gotham is was initially technically supposed to be in New Jersey, which th- that would check out based on if if uh, Metropolis was New York. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally get that. Um, I just don't know what would be comparable to that in New Jersey. That's all. Um, but regardless of, of all of that hullabaloo, um, they they set up root they set down roots in Metropolis. They use their artificial intelligence B and their ship to um, reach down and start 
manufacturing uh, crypto, uh, Kryptonian sunstones, the crystal technology that we know from Superman the movie and we've seen in countless different iterations of the, the character. And uh, they create a, a spire right in the midst, a skyscraper uh, in Metropolis. And uh, they got a fun little holographic House of L symbol spinning at the top of it. It's very much Jor-El's version of the Baxter building. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very Absolutely. much so. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just, we see, you know, the, the interesting thing is we're, we're seeing a little bit of uh, Jor-El's journaling at, at this point. And uh, he actually, he says um, in a couple different instances, once uh, he says, as a venerable earth author once observed, any technology sufficiently advanced will be indistinguishable from magic. That's Arthur C. Clarke, the author of 2001 A Space Odyssey, who said that. Um, and he's, he's, he goes on to say, what they perceived as miracles worthy of awe and wonder were merely the application of advanced Kryptonian science. Eventually, they would learn to tell the difference. I would see to that. And he goes further and we start to see more parallels uh, drawn to Superman the movie from 1978, where Jor-El himself says, I believe in their potential and what they can become one day. It is this reason above all, their capacity for good, that Laura and I have entrusted them with our only son. They can be a great people. They wish to be. They only lack the light to show them the way. From now on, that light shall be me <laughs> instead of Kal-El it's going to be Jor-El that that dude is is clearly a well-balanced cat with with no sense of egotism or narcissistic behavior whatsoever that's going to be good for everyone involved yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and um you know Lara's just uh you know kind of doing her thing waking up and you know seeing that Jor-El isn't isn't, you know, asleep in bed and uh, trying to find out, you know, where's Kal-El? Like, oh, he's, he's, you know, frolicking in the pool. He and, sleeps uh, in Baby Yoda's uh, Grogu's pod, by the way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and then uh, she goes to approach where Jor-El is. It's sort of his, uh, they refer to it as his sanctum. And, uh, you know, B, the artificial intelligence, like, oh, no, no, leave Jor-El alone. He doesn't want to be bothered. He had this whole thing set up so that uh, he can he can just have some some silence away from the world because everything is just always so loud and in, in your face because of your, you know, enhanced senses. And uh, Lara, of course, is like, oh, okay, weird that this is being kept a secret from me. Um, but, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's behind that door? And B is just like, no, 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 that's, uh, that's like I told you, that's his sanctum of solitude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the walls are, are reinforced from the Starcraft, so nothing can get through. And there's double lead lining to block anybody's x-ray vision and uh, solar red solar buffer fields to negate all other superpowers. And uh, <laughs> then she's just like, oh, uh, you know, perhaps he... B says, you know, perhaps solitude helps him cope with the many demands on his time, which now include Jorkor. <laughs> She's just like, Jorkor? And Brain's like, oh, he didn't tell you about that? <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it's a, it's like totally a company that he started here on earth. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I read that as job core throughout this entire book. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, can they use that? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah, Jorel's plan is to, uh, to start to, uh, provide earth with a lot of the technology and, what have you that came from Krypton that, that they have the, the means to produce for them. And uh, Lara just kind of goes on and it's like, fine, whatever. He can have his stupid Jorkor. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to go take care of my son. And uh, that's when they, uh, you know, it's, we skip to six years later and we have a uh, Kal-El who's about what, eight years old, seven or eight years old. Yep. And, um, you know these these uh, which call it? The hell's the word? Uh, Nanny bots? No, no, no! Fucking photograph. Oh, paparazzo. Uh, paparazzo. Thank you. Uh, they uh, they are trailing this young kid and trying to say like, "Hey, come on, kid! You know, zap some stuff with your eyes or, or bend metal with your hands. You come on, do something." And uh, Lara rolls up on them and just uses her super vocal cords. And she's like, go away. And they're like, yeah, my ears. I guess I'll go away now. And, uh, you know, she's starting to worry that um, maybe this isn't the best environment for their son. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot for them to take on as adults. But seeing as he's the only kid like him. And he has no one really to to connect with. She's she's getting worried that she you know that Kalel needs to find some way to connect with the planet they now call their home. And the only way to do that is to have him learn what it's like to live as a human being, to develop a real sense of not just sympathy but empathy, mm-hmm. which is I think lines up remarkably with how Lara is as a character in many different iterations that we've seen her. She is a, a far more uh, emotionally capable person than Jorel in many regards. And it stands to reason that she would be concerned about their son concerning this. Um, and once again, you can definitely draw a parallel between like her, Susan Storm, Jorel, Reed Richards, and, Allo is like your your Franklin Richards at this point. Yeah, it's there's a loose connection with her and, and Susan Storm for sure. There's there's like some huge deviations like with like the motherly instincts and all that, which you would never see some of this stuff from Susan Storm. So that's no. a big kind of character departure. But there yeah. there is a lot of them that is very similar. Their intelligence, the the way that they uh they handle their um uh uh, their partner that doesn't pay attention to them, like things like that. So, yeah, like you, you could see those sort of things. Did you um, did you pick up on the? Uh, I, I did. Uh, yeah, the uh, little Easter egg on the bottom here. Yes, the uh, so Lara is taking a look at different Earth couples that could take in Kal-El and teach him how to be a person, and uh, she's crossing names off lists. And uh, the list that we see, uh, she's currently crossing names off of uh, the three couples that we see are Perry and Alice White, Julius and Jean Schwartz, which I thought was great because that is a full-blown reference to one of the uh, writers and editors 
of DC Comics in the Silver Age. Uh, Julie Schwartz. Julia Schwartz was uh, famous for uh, saying, oh, put monkeys in it because kids will buy anything with a monkey on the cover. And uh, in the 60s, he was not wrong. <laughs> he was 100% correct in that approach. And uh, the last the last couple, on it's just three couples on this list. The last couple, uh, it's a little obfuscated by the hand, but you can, if you know your comic book stuff, you know exactly what it is. It says Thomas Arthur Wuh. And it's clearly Thomas and Martha Wayne. And uh, you know, apparently they didn't they didn't make the grade on that one. I swear that's Angelina Jolie on the bottom. Oh yeah. I mean I swear uh, I'm like, oh this is like that time where she was like adopting all those kids. <laughs> I'm like Wow. <laughs> is that's that Angelina funny. Jolie on the bottom? That is funny, man. Well, I mean, that could be because that could be the Brad Pitt from Benjamin Buttons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the very young one. <laughs> uh, but, wow, uh, Benjamin Button! What a what a reference. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, it turns out there's um, a big old just like a, a a meteor. Nothing super fancy, like you know, kryptonite, nothing like that. Uh, but it, it hits a, a field in Smallville, Kansas, and uh, it turns out like they get the 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 couple that owns the farm gets the attention of Lara and Jorel, and their names are Jonathan and Martha Kent. And uh, you know the, it's Jorel uh, Lara's already looked into them, and she's like they've been together for thirty years. They have high moral values, strong work ethic. They're loved by friends and neighbors alike. And then Jorel's just like, in childless, no doubt, you're still determined. Like, oh, cool, Jorel. Just, just be a dick. Just do that. That's, that's, that's his job. superpower, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I like Lara's approach. Like, we owe it to Kal-El if we love him enough to let him go. He needs to sample the kind of upbringing most children on this world take for granted. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that, and it does make sense within the context of this story. They they want to make sure that they're not raising a sociopath. <laughs> you know, they didn't grow up with these powers, so they were able to adjust well enough. But if you're a kid who grows up with these abilities, <laughs> good luck to you. You know, like how does that pan out? Bright burn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> give me start oh. on that fucking movie. Or last season of Superman and Lois. Mm. The uh, Bizarro World. His yeah, family. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, be, the argument to that is like, but, you know, in Superman and Lois, you do have a kid who's growing up with those powers and he's not like that at all. So it's like, it's just the Bizarro thing. Really? Yeah. You gotta... well, I, I took it as like the fame from like... Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is a good point. Um but yeah, so we we see that they they meet with Jonathan and and Martha and um Clark, I mean, uh Kal-El and Jonathan just get on like gangbusters, which is really nice to see. Like he gets a kick out of the kid and the kid really likes the old guy and um they, you know, he's just paying attention to him and that's that's just what he wanted, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, a father figure that actually seems to give a crap about what he's doing and has to say. Um, and, 
you know, Lara is sort of exchanging information with, with Martha, like, oh, you know, so I guess you have everything set for school for him. And here's like a, a kind of parental guidebook and any questions you might have about his superpowers. And, uh, you know, she's like, so, you know, any, anything that you need to know about Kal-El should hopefully be covered here. And that's when Jonathan and the kid walk in from outside. And Jonathan right away was like, nobody by that name around these parts, ma'am. But meet our boy Clark. And that's when kal was like, Clark Kent! And he's he's already wearing the glasses and everything. Like, they already decided to completely give him a secret identity. And uh, that's when we we skip ahead a little and we find that um, Lara has now kind of started. I don't want to say a resurgence because it was never on Earth, but she started putting forth the ideals of, of Raology from from Krypton. Rao was their god, um, which some people would say, like, oh, I thought science was what they worshipped. But Rao was their God and the name of their son. And uh, it's all about, you know, cosmic enlightenment. And she's basically kind of starting her own little self-help slash cult thing going on. Um, and of course it's, it's all the rage. And uh, it, it's kind of like an illusion. I took it as like Scientology. Yeah, oh yeah. Same here. Just, yeah, just like, no volcano ghosts. Yeah. Uh. Hill Zenu. So, <laughs> Z- <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, we both 100%. Sultan. Sultan. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it, Lara's just trying to explain, like, you know, we we represent only one level of a vast celestial hierarchy. The cosmos is host to an infinite variety of life forms, including immortal beings who dwell in exalted realms far beyond base material worlds like Earth or Krypton. Uh, whilst showing us us the 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 audience, not within the story itself, Oa and several guardians of the universe walking and and clearly conversing about whatever frigging Green Lantern problems they may have at the time. And uh, you know they just kind of wrap up their little news segment with with Lara, and we come to uh, Jorel giving his his journal notes and and what have you and. He's just kind of pondering that there seems to be a gulf between he and and Lara that seems to be widening. Um, Kal-El is staying in Smallville for an extended period of time. And um, we we see him just dealing with the the ins and outs of daily, you know, workaday shit with uh, Jorcor. And uh, there's a, you know, they say, oh, this uh, this math theorem was sent in by a, by a kid, uh, by someone. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, we think you'd want to take a look at it. And Joel's like, Oh yeah, I don't, you think that I'll be Im- impressed by that? And he said, well, you, you, you might be pretty impressed. The kid's pretty perceptive for his age. And Joel's like his age. <laughs> and that's when we, we cut to Smallville and we see Clark, uh, in class at, you know, Smallville middle school or whatever. And uh, he's he's getting picked on and, and tripped and and you know kind of bullied, and he has like a quick daydream about just like spinning his tormentor at super speed above his head with one hand, and instead uh, Lana is right there, little redheaded Lana, to help him pick up his his books and papers and stuff on the off the classroom floor, and um, you know 
we cut to Clark uh, in his bedroom back at the farm talking with a, you know, floating head hologram of Jor-El and he's trying to, trying to explain like how he feels and what his problems are. And Jor-El's like, yeah, well, you shouldn't even be there. I don't get it. You, you should be, you should be doing like smart, cool things for science and knowledge. And, and instead you're wearing fucking flannel and rolling around and Hey, your mother's an idiot, but I love her. Whatever. Bye. <laughs> like that's, that's I I'm really paraphrasing a whole lot because obviously they did not swear, but it is what it boils down to. Jorel is a dick. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna be like, he was nice, right? Right? He was kind. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he I mean, even refers to the humans as lesser life forms several times in this yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's jo- Jonathan and Martha are in the fucking room. Yeah. <laughs> and Jorel is like, what fuels that strange desire to live as an earth child is beyond me. Yeah, we know, Jorel. We have picked up on this. It's not a phase, Dad. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, he he's just like, if you abandoned your life there to avoid the taunts of lesser beings, there would be no dignity, only shame. Shame on the entire house of L. I'm leaving now. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> He just leaves the kid with that. And, uh, you know, out. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that's they, I will say they 100% nail the characters of Jonathan and Martha Kent in this story. They are right there. And Jonathan straight away is just like, he doesn't mean to be so hard on you. You know, for what it's worth, we understand you can do all these amazing things. And sometimes you just feel like you'll just go bust if you can't tell people about it but have you ever wondered clark why out of the millions and millions of planets out there where you might have ended up your kryptonian parents chose earth the way martha and i see it something flat out wonderful and amazing doesn't happen by chance son you are here for a reason which all lines up with superman the movie the, the whole scene where Jonathan explains to Clark that he understands he just wants to get on that football field and tear them all apart, but he knows that he's here for a reason, and it's not for scoring touchdowns. <laughs> and that's when you know Clark goes off to play with his dog Shelby, running to the barn, and Jonathan unfortunately collapses, and uh, we get... We get the whole thing with, uh, you know, Clark in Superman the movie. He's all those powers. And there was nothing I could do to save him. Uh, you know, and it, it's really, it's it's great to see how this lines up. And <laughs> instead of it being football, Martha says, but in the meantime, there's one thing we do know. And Jonathan finishes with, you're not here to settle score with school bullies. <laughs> it's like, yes. Spot on. It it it's such a it's a lovely detail, and there's a lot of affinity for the 1978 movie in this, which which is great because they're not they're not staying beholden to any designs for it or anything like that. It's the spirit of it, the characterization uh, that bleeds through, and and that's I think the most important part because take away the the 1978 look, the special effects, and you're left with the characterization 
and 90% of the characterizations in that movie are 100% what those characters have been through the past 85 years. And, and that holds true in this, this Elseworld story. Um, we move along and we see that Clark is, is back, <laughs> back in his classroom. And uh, he's, he's doing a report on the first walk on the moon. And uh, the teacher, when Clark finishes his presentation, he has like what looks like a cast of uh, the boot print left by, by Neil Armstrong. <laughs> and the teacher actually says, if I didn't know better, I could almost believe this plaster cast really came from the lunar surface. And you can see Clark's face as he's walking past to his desk. He's got a huge shit-eating grin under his yeah. Coke bottle glasses. It's it's great. And um, Lana has a, an ant farm, and she's like, ah, my ant farm is so stupid. And uh, you know, he Clark's, you know, she's like, this this is just this is not good. And Clark's like, no, look again. You got five adult queens in there. And she's like, I do, which I think might actually be a little bit of a reference to uh, the character Insect Queen from from the the older comics, because I do believe that Lana Lang briefly became like this character. Um, I was just thinking that many queens is probably an issue in an ant farm. (laughs) Yeah, probably you would think so. But oh, yeah, yeah. um, Earth one. The first insect queen was Lana Lang, Superman's romantic interest from his youth in Smallville. In Superboy 124, Lana rescues an insect-like alien trapped under a tree. In gratitude, he gives her a biogenetic ring that allows her to gain the powers of insects or arachnids by giving her lower body the form of a particular bug. Each form can only be gained once per day, however. She decides to use it to develop the costume identity of the superheroine insect queen. Lana does not pursue the career for long, though she did regain did gain reserve status in the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, so yeah, I, I was I was right. Uh, they're they're just kind of alluding to that if you know your Silver Age stuff at all, um, which honestly went right by me until this moment right now. I I completely lost sight of it, um, and that's between the two of them whispering, that's when we see the teacher say, we have time for one more project before the lunch bell. The first hand up was yours, Lex. (laughs) And that's when we find out, oh, look, one of their classmates is Lex Luthor. And, uh, you know, he goes on, he's like, oh, I could cite some particle physics theorems to explain how I realign photons in the infrared light, infrared spectrum, but why bother in a room with a median IQ barely tops 100? And besides, show and tell is so much more fun. And uh, that's when he kind of makes everything kind of like lose color and uh, whenever he points this kind of like little flashlight-esque dealy at. And, um, you know, the the teacher is just kind of like, hey, you know, are there any practical uses? And he's like, no, it's as useless as your science class. And he's like, watch your tone. He goes, get stuffed, teach. And he's like, we both know why you resent me. Genius envy. Guess what? I changed one setting, and then he points it at the teacher, and it completely makes his clothes like see-through, and the guy's basically naked in front of all of his students. And uh, that's when two guys show up uh, in a helicopter outside of the school itself, and they're there to pick up Lex. And uh, 
And they're like, you're going to the principal's office, Luther. He goes, no, I don't think I am. Uh, the copter outside, it's taking me to Metropolis. I start my new job at Jorcor on Monday. As it turns out, he's the young person who sent in a mathematical theorem that Joro was probably impressed by, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, so he, he takes off and, you know, is basically thumbing his nose and going neener, neener, neener to everybody at Smallville Middle School. And uh, that's when they get ready to hop on the copter and Jor-El himself uh, flies down and to, uh, to meet Lex Luthor personally and say like, Hey, you know, we good to meet you. And you know, it's the Lex, you know, where we're looking forward to working with you and yada, yada, yada. Welcome to the job core team. And um, Clark of course is watching all this with his, uh, his telescopic vision is super hearing and uh, he's probably feeling more than a couple of pangs of jealousy at the attention that Lex is being afforded by his, his own father. And uh, they, they take off and everyone's like, wow, man, that's so cool. Like Lex is leaving on the copter and Jor-El's flying after him. And Lana's just like, wow, just wait till Jor-El finds out what a humongous pain Lex is. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Clark says that goes both ways, Lana. Because from the stuff I've heard people say about Jorel, maybe Lex is the one who doesn't know what he's in for. Dun dun dun. And uh, we see uh, we we just jump to uh, back in I don't know the inner sanctum or the chambers that Laura and Jorel live in. That Jorel is is running for some reason a simulation of Krypton's destruction. Um, and that's when he corrects Laura in her assumption. That's what it is. And he says, no, 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 it's, it's actually from a, a probe I sent, uh, to, you know, uh, to see what happened as we escaped the cataclysm. This is, this is actually a reconstruction of when we actually left. Hmm. And, you know, she, you know, she's like, why, when are you going to stop this? Like, I don't understand this morbid fixation with our home world's demise. And he says, well, you know, I'm just kind of going based off the premise of those who do not learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. And uh, he says, my fixation just, you know, redoubles my efforts to make sure that nothing like that ever happens to this planet. And if you weren't so preoccupied these days, you'd probably be more supportive. <laughs> you know? uh, classic Richards. Um, yep. And, you know, and she's like, excuse me, I'm preoccupied. And he's like, well, Raology, you got to be kidding me. And, uh, you know, press junkets and book signings, talk shows. This culture is mindless and craves distractions like a drug. And she's like, uh, okay, sure. This seems more like you're mad about Kal-El than anything else. Um, I don't know what to tell you. He's too young to remember where we're from. So... It, it makes this the only place he's ever known. And you're just blaming me because I wanted him to live a real life in this world instead of, you know, here in the, the, the shrine to a dead planet that, that our home here has become. And uh, he's like, you, how dare you? That's, that's Krypton. And she's like, whatever. It's, it's not, it's not the, the building and the, in, in this stuff. That's the problem. It's you go pound Sanjo. <laughs> And she she leaves. She flies out the out of the building, and um, they they fly after each other at supersonic speeds, and you know, kind of kind of break a couple of windows through Metropolis as they're going along. 
yelling at each other in Kryptonian. And, uh, you know, she's just like, leave me alone. He's like, but we can have a heart to heart. And she's like, I said, leave me alone. They fly out into space and they get closer and closer to the sun. And, uh, we see the silhouette of them embracing after they finally like reach one another. And there's all kinds of fun Corona coming off the sun and everything. And then the next thing you know, the two of them are flying away from the sun, very happy hand in hand smiles across each one of their faces. Uh, Jorel and Lara just got laid. That's yeah. I kind of saw that coming when, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's not, not the only thing that anyone saw coming. Oh, um, get your hey, <laughs> oh, buddy. And they told me not to invest in this giant <laughs> telescope. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Don't build a spectrosphere, they said. <laughs> but uh, I feel like that guy shows up in the next book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we see uh, few, you know, uh, almost half a year later that Lara is um, she is very pregnant. And she's talking with uh, with Martha uh, on the couch at the Kent farm. And Jonathan and Clark are outside. Uh, Jonathan's fixing the tractor while Clark is holding it up with one hand. <laughs> yeah. And um, she, uh, what's her face? Uh, Lara starts to uh, go into labor and, she says, uh, my bracelet's beaming an ultrasonic signal that only Jor-El can hear. It's a fun little reference to the uh, the signal watch that Superman gave Jimmy Olsen during the Silver Age. And, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, Jonathan and Martha are like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll help you deliver the kid. I mean, done it plenty of times with cows here on the farm. We can definitely do it with you. Clark, go boil some water with your heat vision and uh, rip up some blankets. What are the blankets for? Uh, something to do. Just get the fuck out of the way, kid. <laughs> kind of. For the most part. And uh, that's when Jorel shows up with uh, a birthing matrix, which uh, it looks like a, a giant, uh, for lack of a better term, it looks like a giant paper airplane. And uh, they, they have Lara's like lower half in this thing. And, um, she, you know, basically Jorel is coaching her through Lamaze and <laughs> it is kind of funny cause he's deeper and faster, deeper and faster, but like they're Kryptonian. So she, she does that and then blows like a huge hole in the side of the house with her breath. And, uh, Martha's rea- Martha and Jonathan, their reactions are great. Martha's goodness gracious. Whereas Jonathan looks at Jorel and goes that deep enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I absolutely it's a good sense love. of humor he's got. Absolutely. Um and uh you know after 27 minutes of labor with the the birthing matrix um they the the birth is complete and it turns out that she was pregnant with twins the entire time a, a boy and a girl. Uh so you know it, we we end this particular issue on uh, Jorel's journal entries, uh, and he's he's just saying, you know, although it was certainly not our intention for Lara to give birth to our twins on a Kansas farm, I suppose as Earth folks say, everything worked out for the best. Is this new outlook of mine the result of becoming a father once again, twice over, or am I finally coming to terms with Kal-El's alternative lifestyle? 
Either way, perhaps the time has come for me to welcome the Kents into what can only be described now as our extended family. All in all, it has been a good day. Which, uh, man, Jorel, you are quite the pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No yeah, kidding. For real. So yeah, that's the that's the first part of uh, the three-parter, Superman, the last family of Krypton. Um, there's uh there's a lot more stuff that happens uh coming up in in this second one. <laughs> Siblings from L. <laughs> what's what's the third one? Oh. 